Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What? You never seen a guy in his pajamas before? It's been a rough week. It starts out, I have this really bad tooth. In case Jace didn't call you and have you call me 800 times and tell me to get my tooth fixed, I had a bad tooth. It's been rough. I slept in on Randy, totally missed our appointment. It's over good. And in addition to that, it's the Sabbath, right? It's a day of rest. What better day than to come prepared for rest? Because I know if the Russos weren't here, they'd all be in their pajamas. <laughs> I know that 75% of you online right now are in your pajamas, Hopeyes, Mendehalls. So we're just going to enjoy the day and have some fun. So before we jump into that, I would like you to open up your Bibles to Exodus 20. If you do not have a Bible, there are some out front. You can use your phones. Before we jump into Exodus, just kind of want to do a quick recap of where we've been in this elementary series that's been going on for the last three weeks, this being the final fourth week. And we call it the elementary series, but there's really nothing elementary about it. The topics we covered are hard. The topics we covered are crucial to how we live our life as Christians. So it started out that first week with Brian, and he talked about justice. What a hot topic that is right now. And as Christians and people of God, we are created in the image of God, as long as everybody on this planet. And so it is our job to reach out with righteousness and love and help the oppressed, help the hurt, give them the justice they deserve. Next, he talked about the Shema, that wonderful prayer in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. And it's more about just loving because we need to love God. We also have to recognize God's sovereignty. And then we got to listen to God and obey God. And then finally, last week, Alex talked to us about Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God's personal connection with us. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is eternal. Holy Spirit always reigns. The world was created with Holy Spirit there. So today, with these three things in mind, we're going to talk about the Sabbath. So without further ado... Let's watch this video. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God 
forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. That is who we are. We forget that as we get caught up in the melee of, of every single day, every single thing we're dealing with, every penny we have to make, every meal we have to cook, every book we need to read, everything that we set amongst ourselves. But we are kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I love how they say in the seventh day something special happens. God's presence fills his creation and he provides for all his creatures. As we move through this today, I want you to kind of think about, do we wonder that we don't rest because we don't really believe God can provide for all his creatures? And God can be there, not just in financial needs, but in heart needs, in hurt needs. We learned last week that the Holy Spirit heals. We learned that God loves us. We learned that God wants justice for us, and God is there for us. So as you move into it, we just want to do it. So the word Sabbath is mentioned over 170 times in the Bible. That is a lot of times for a Bible. Now, most of it's in the Old Testament. I agree, but that's a lot of times. And there's like three main words it comes from. And I was looking it up because I want to be as cool as Alex and looking at where these words came from. And the first one was this primitive word, and it was shaw bath. And that means to repose or desist from. So it's like a small word. It's like saying... Shaw bath, eating with your mouth open. Shaw bath, get off your phone when I'm talking, Grant. Shaw bath, stop. Smaller word. The next word is shabeth. And that's like a rest, interruption. Hey, let's quit working for a while and take a break. Let's just cease for a little bit and then we can get right back to it. Kids, turn off the PlayStation. And then there's our word, shabbat. And it's intensive. And it is used specifically for Sabbath. And what is so cool about it is I looked it up, and the definition they gave was intermission. And I liked that. It's like the intermission between two acts. It is a time of rest. For the actors and actresses in this room, you understand that time of rest is important before the second act. And a lot of times, if you skip that, you're too tired to go on. But that intermission between two acts is crucial for us as Christians in everything that we do. And that just completely floored me. All of us, all of us need an intermission. So let's watch the next video. But the humans are deceived by a dark power and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But. How? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and he liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. 
they're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. The hope of future rest. Everything we do right now is that point at future rest. I'm going to say something right now. I do not understand Hebrew numerology. I do not have not studied it, so please don't ask me any questions at the end about it. However, I'm absolutely fascinated when I watch this. I'll be honest, it started making me think, what are these feasts and these festivals? What are these things that affect us so much that we have to do what we need to do? If God wants to restore that rest in us, that seventh-day rest, then we have to be restored. We have to pull Him into our wilderness. So I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, if you haven't already, because we've talked about it. Exodus 20, you're like, Mark, we're, we're two videos in. We haven't opened the Bible yet. What's that all about? But we're here, and I think it's important that the Sabbath is so important to God. The Shabbat is so important. That's a commandment. It's part of the Ten Commandments. It's one of the very few things that make that list that are added on to. So let's start at verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and, do your work, labor and do your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and called it holy. God was already setting his plan into motion before we even knew it was going on. He made it very specific about the Sabbath day. It wasn't go home and lay down for two hours in your PJs. It was you don't work, your spouse doesn't work, your kids don't work, your servants don't work, nothing works. I'm still from the era that nothing was opened on Sundays. That if you needed a pizza, you were hurting because there was none to be found. And so that time where we make that day holy, the time where we're moving towards that is everything that the Lord has planned for us in the future. That is our far-off future rest that we get right now, that we have the opportunity to grab right now if we choose from. We have hindsight that the Israelites didn't have. So we're going to view backwards a little bit at their feasts and festivals. So first we'll start with Passover. 
And I'm not going to give you all the scripture, but I'm going to let you look at it up there. So Leviticus 23, 4 and 8. And for those that know, Passover was the day that the final, the final thing came to the king of Egypt and said, if you don't do this, all your firstborn die. And the king said, no, I am the Pharaoh. I choose not to. And God had Moses take blood and hyssop and mark across the doors in blood so they're protected from death. They never saw the image that that left on their door at that sort of time. That image that was left forward, that God was always warning them and telling them and telling us, that's coming for you. As John said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They're already pointing towards that future rest. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's the next day. They had to leave fast. God says, make bread, no yeast, no leaven. Those are symbols of decay and sin. In a lot of places in the Bible, there's no more sin. You're going to take this bread and this bread will feed you. Go. And they took that bread and they left. And a few years later, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The First Fruits Festival. It's one of three harvest feasts to thank God for all He provided. It's an interesting little feast. It starts on the 14th day of the month in Nisan, which is a Friday. And Passover is the Saturday. And they celebrate the third day. For us, that first day, they crucify Jesus. That second day, He lay in, his, in a grave until He rose again that Sunday in glorious praise and honor of all that God has provided. The Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, comes 50 days later. They come, they bring bread, they celebrate, they talk about things happening. As Christians, that time of are saying, God, you provide more than we need. God, you have never let us down. You provide so much. Before Jesus has said, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And then our Pentecost came, and there was a lot of workers. Thousands and thousands of people looked towards God by the power of the Holy Spirit and became workers of Christ and Christians during this feast. The Feast of Trumpets, all work was prohibited. All regular work. That's a pretty cool day if you're me. All work is prohibited. And so they offer this food offering to God, and they commemorate it with these loud blasts of trumpets. And I tried to play my shofar, and it really hurt the tooth. But I promise, sometime I'll bring it in and blow it. But it hurt too much. But can you imagine the sound of Jerusalem with the sounds of trumpets and shofars blowing? Do you know that's going to pale in comparison, the trumpet sounds when Jesus comes back? Because they'll hear it outside of Jerusalem. They'll hear it outside of Israel. They'll hear it in the whole world. And there's that day of atonement where the priest makes restitution for the sins, sacrifices animals, sends out the scapegoat, goes in the Holy of Holies, and all he is doing is say, God, don't punish us today. He's just holding it off. Jesus came to be our scapegoat. 
and He paid for our sins once and for all. Our debts pay because we can look back and see where it was coming. And finally, the Feast of Tabernacle or Booths. After the Day of Atonement, they built little, I don't know, wooden houses, little booths, and they sat outside for seven days to remember what it was like in the wilderness and how God provided for them. I dare all of you to go get a tent, sit in your front yard for seven days, and thank God for all that He has provided you, all that He has done for you, all that He's loved you with, all that He's given you, all that you've seen and heard and smelled and tasted of our Lord. What a blessing that is. Jesus' tabernacle was a human body. In Matthew 1.23, we use the word Emmanuel, God with us. When I started doing this, I was really excited to do this sermon because I was going to wear pajamas. That's the first thing I said, can I wear pajamas? And they said, yes, because they're awesome. I had no plan of turning this into some sort of evangelical speech. But as I started going through this and I started reading it, I started reading God's presence and power from the day we were created to the day right now has always been, I have a plan to bring you rest in me. And if you can't see it, let me show you. And he shows us. He shows us that love and that power and that everything they could do, that rest and that power and might that we're supposed to be living in today that most of us don't. Let's watch this last video. I promise it's the last one. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, oh, Jesus is claiming that seventh day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness and all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way, but notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him, or in his words, 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So I split this video up on purpose because it was really, here you are, and God comes in, and you accept God rest, and you do it, and you're happy, and then you fall back into sin, and you lose it. And then you walk again, and you fall back into sin, and you lose it, and then you do it again. And that's a pattern we all have. I don't think we all realize how similar we are to the people we read about. Granted, we may not be putting tent spikes in people's heads, I hope, but we still hurt. We still need. We still need to eat. We still need a house. And sometimes it's just so frustrating, it's so overwhelmed with everything in your life. And I've had that week. And I've had weeks like this before. I remember when my kids were real little, like little enough that they had those big, humongous eyes that looked at you like this. And I was working one night, and I was at home. I'm on the computer, and things weren't going. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, and things aren't working right. And they come in, and they look at me, these cute little kids, and they're like, Dad? And you're like, what? We think you need to go to bed, sleep, and finish this in the morning. And they did the blinky thing. And I remember looking at them, and some creature inhabited me, and I just looked over and I go, I will sleep when I am dead. And they took a step back and said, Dad, yes, you don't sleep in heaven. It's always light, and God's always there. And part of me was like, oh, I'm so glad they went to Bible school. Part of me was like, oh, man. And I remember just at that moment just feeling the just feeling the Holy Spirit just flood me and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you showing them? There's this running thing in my house that if I'm wearing a watch, I'm at work. And I remember several times I've come home and like an hour later, Gideon would walk up and take off my watch and go put it in my room. So he could rest with me, his dad. I did not forget about the year of Jubilee, in case you were wondering. What an awesome thing is that? Seven times seven, 49 years later. Every 49 years, the next year is a year of Jubilee. There's no planting of crops. Slaves are freed. All your debts are forgiven. If someone took property because you couldn't afford to pay them, they had to give it back. Talk about a cool thing from God. And when Jesus came and said, I am that, he said, there's nothing you have done or can do. There is nothing even today that you can or not do to understand not only who I am, but why you should be resting in me. What an amazing promise from the God of all creation. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've heard two great teachings on the yoke. I'm going to go through them really quickly. One of my favorite is that picture of oxen plowing through a field full of rocks. My dad is old enough that they used horses to plow in Iowa before World War II. And how they'd fight through the mud and pull. And with Jesus saying, yeah, but I'm on this side with you. And the farther we go, the easier it gets. Because you give me more of the weight. I take more of that over. And so many times in life, when we start to know Jesus, we just keep taking the weight. We just keep taking this from him. Jesus says, I know it's hard to follow me. Is it hard to follow Jesus? It's hard to follow Jesus. But the more you follow him, it somehow gets easier, doesn't it? The styles are sometimes bigger, but your heart's stronger. Your spirit's stronger. You love more. You live more. The other one was when rabbis would meet their, their potential students. They'd walk up and they'd take their mantle off and said, this is my yoke. You follow me. Follow my teachings. You are no longer bound by the laws that hold you down. You're no longer bound by all these little things. Your love is for me. You see, the Sabbath is God's gift to us. Now, let this sink in. The Sabbath is God's gift to you and me and us. In the wilderness, when they were going through this horrible place, God said, Saturday, pick up twice as much and save it for Sunday because there's not going to be any on Sunday. But I'll provide for you. And they'd go out on Saturdays and there'd always be twice as much manna. They'd always be fed so that they could rest on the Sabbath. He cared so much, he goes, I'm not even going to make you go find food on the Sabbath. On Saturdays, go buy twice as much at Costco. It's so we might know that God is the one who gives us life and strength. If we start ignoring the Sabbath, that time of rest with God, in God, in the Holy Spirit, we start to rely on who? Yeah, me. Or I start relying on you. Or worse yet, you start relying on me. I will let you down. Once we start relying on ourselves, then we're bound to ourselves, and we just start loading more on us. We're not trusting God. We're not trusting what God is doing in our life. We're not trusting God with the people around us, and we end up doing it. And God says, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between you and me from generation to generation, so you know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. One of my favorite little stories is when Jesus is out trucking around with the disciples. Wouldn't you just love to walk around with Jesus? I know that's a side note. But there's like all these books, right? He's around for three years just walking around. That's like hiking extraordinarily with Mark shoveling up the top of mountains, right? And you're just checking around with Jesus, and he's telling all these stories. So they're walking out, and they're hungry. It's the Sabbath, and they start picking up the wheat in the fields because they're starving. And the Pharisees, the legalists, they see this, and they say, you can't work on the Sabbath. That's illegal. 
And Jesus says, remember that time David went to the high priest's house and he took the showbread and ate it and gave this to his friends? He didn't break any laws. And then Jesus said to them, you see, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is eternal. You don't think God planned it the first day of creation? He's like, this is cool. And then in seven days, I'm going to let him sleep. But it's not just sleep, right? It's not just pajamas. It's not just this. See, I have the benefit of hindsight and looking back over at all these things that people did thousands and thousands of years and not really realize the impact it has on me. But I have that. I don't know what's going to happen on this side. But I know that if I look back and I see that God has provided in every single way, and if I get rid of basically everything I've ever read in the Bible and just sat down and went, God has been providing for me in miraculous ways. I don't need a feast to know that. And if I look at that and I start to understand that that, that part of it puts me where I am today, that I'm holy because He is holy. I rest because He rests. So if I look backwards one more time, and let's go, we'll just go through the study, but we'll do it backwards. Because I did this and I loved it. It was really cool. So the Sabbath, if we rest in the Sabbath and rest in God and really obey the Sabbath, we'll start small. Don't worry. You can still watch the Broncos. But we'll start small. We'll rest in that Sabbath. And we'll spend that time thanking and glorifying God for everything He's done. We'll thank Him for the socks on our feet for the spoons in our cupboard. And we will thank Him. We will rest in God. Holy Spirit can now reach us because we're listening. And He comes and He gives us wisdom and He leads us to friends. He leads us to family. He leads us to someone and says, I come to give you this. And you're like, Holy Spirit, I hear you. And all of a sudden the Shema makes sense. You are the one God. You are the God. I love you with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. I'm empowered by the creator of the universe. So the next time I walk down the street, I see those that are oppressed. I see those that are fallen. I see those that don't know God. And I know who my provider is, and I'm no longer afraid to walk up and say, let me help you. But it all begins with that rest, that Sabbath, and knowing God. And if you don't know God and you haven't taken Jesus, and I'm talking to everybody in this room, anybody watching online, there's rest. There's peace. There's love. And there's forgiveness like you've never, ever, ever felt in your life. And there's still rough times. But when you come out on the other end, it's nice getting that big warm hug. So here's my challenge. 
It's going to be a little tough. If you didn't know, today's the Sabbath. I'm not going to argue about which day is the Sabbath. But can you take a day to rest in God? I mean, I pat myself on the back if I spend 45 minutes reading the Bible and taking notes. Can you imagine if I did it for sunup and sundown for one day a week? We're going to start small. Maybe divide yourself off for a while today. Sit down and just think about ask Holy Spirit to come and, and just thank God for what He's provided you. Thank God for what He's given you. Thank God for Him being God. And thank God for loving you. And those big boulders and bricks and working to your dust of the earth, isn't that a nice way? Work and die and become dust of the earth. It kind of disappears because we don't die. That is my challenge for you. I know you can do it. God told me. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your guidance. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for the mountains. I thank you for the sun. I thank you for the forks in my drawer. God, I ask you to open our hearts up into your rest that is eternal but given to us today. May we understand that your love was meant to bring us peace. I pray for all those right now who don't have peace and guide us. Holy Spirit, invade them. Let them see your light and your glory and your joy. And God, we will forever put our trust in you because you are the provider. You are the one God. You are the great I am. In Jesus' name, amen.